see you there welcome to the j-rod concerts podcast and wow what a summer it's been huh as we approach a fourth of july here in america independence day unlike with anything really ever experienced you know fireworks are basically canceled in south florida uh but the good news is the year is past the halfway point and uh hopefully better things on the horizon for everybody i hope everyone is doing safe and everyone is healthy and staying well and today, really, really excited about this one. Uh, we're we're uh, welcoming today Chris Van Newkirk out of a band called Livingston. They are um, a 2002 band. They started in 2002 in London, but their DNA goes back to South Africa, and they've come out with some really, really good stuff. Their career is really long and has a lots of great singles. They've represented... Um, and their songs have represented Germany in the 2010 Winter Olympics. You know, they've been all parts of a really successful project. And uh, Chris was really, really generous with his time, gave us some fantastic stories, great insight into stuff like, you know, uh, when they met Justin Bieber, before Justin Bieber was, you know, Justin Bieber, uh, the creative process for them, how it works, the special relationship that Livingston has with the German fan base. So, you know, it's been a lot of... um great interviews but this particular one i really love the energy that chris has gave us on the show so we're really appreciative of it we hope you guys enjoy it if you guys uh, want to check them out their facebook is facebook.com slash livingston music and they just have a ton ton of great records uh, we hope you guys enjoy it and uh, as usual if you have any comments about the podcast drop us a line jamie uh, at jrockconcerts.com or on our Instagram at jrockconcertspodcast. So, so thank you guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. And this is Livingston. <laughs> Excellent team. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you? Good. Wow. Look at that beautiful scenery. Beautiful balcony. I, I'm actually, uh, I, I hope you, you must tell me if it's too noisy. I actually like to do interviews on my balcony because I think it also just gives people the, you know, the environment where I live, you know. It so, certainly yeah. does. It certainly does. You're in, you're in Germany, right? You're in Berlin? Exactly. In Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful city. Beautiful city. Yes. I was there a couple of years ago. So um, you two at the Mercedes-Benz Arena when Vono lost his ah. voice. Great night. Uh, uh, you know, I was there. Were you I really? There. I was. I was there that night, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so Very the same good. Show. Fantastic, and also tragic uh, that he then did such an amazing performance and then lost yeah. his voice. Yeah. Unbelievable! What a night! What a city! Beautiful city, Chris. But yeah. uh, we're glad to have you on the show. We love we love Livingston. You guys uh, have such an anthemic sound as well. Oh, thank uh, you, thank very, you. very you too like in some regards. So you know we're we're happy to have you here. Thanks a lot for, thank for your you time. Thank you so much. Just before we go on, I just want to make sure that I pronounce your name correctly. Sure. Is it, so is it Jamie? 
Jamie, that's right. Jamie, okay. I just wanted to make sure because I, I was not sure if it maybe is like a, in, more in a French style, like a silent E at the end. Like, but, right. Okay. So, but Jamie, good to oh, meet you. Awesome. Jamie. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, Chris. So, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you. You guys just released a really, a really uh, good new single, Through the People. Yes. Uh, very cool. It's very whimsical, very fun. And it's different from what you've done, but I and I and I do wanna wanna get to that in a minute. Yes. But first, Chris, I I feel like I have to ask you a couple of current event questions. Sure. Uh, first of all, how are things with COVID in Germany and South Africa? How are they doing? Um, well, in in Germany, actually, our our um, system is getting pretty much back to normal. It's it. I, Germany, you know, it's it's hard to actually say if any country handled it better than another. I, I would say that from not really medically understanding as well as the experts do, it seems like Germany did handle it very well. Um, we, we very quickly went into kind of isolation in the, in the kind of different regions, in the different uh, states, so to speak. And um, it, it, it seemed like the medical sector really handled the, the amount of uh, positive uh, COVID cases very well. So we had, thank God, very few casualties. And we actually also came out of the very stringent uh, um, like lockdown much earlier than our neighbors, you know, uh, countries and other states around us. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, we've had it much luckier, luckier than most. Um, South Africa is also, it's, it's also a bit loosening up, um, <laughs> but, but quite a bit slower. And, uh, and also, thankfully, they, they, their um, uh, casualties have, have has been very low. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some, Germany, some normality is coming back. Yeah. It seems Germany has been on the forefront, right? Whether it's sports with the Bundesliga or whatever, everyone's kind of looking to Germany to see what you guys are doing leading the way. So that's pretty cool. They've done all right. Yeah, they've definitely been doing pretty good. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good, Chris. I'm glad to hear that things are also well in South Africa. Um, so you guys have such a cool story, Livingston. You, the, the story of your band is pretty unique. It's pretty international. Um, I want to touch on that a minute. So... You formed in London, but you but you met singer Bukes from South Africa, right? Yes, that's that's correct. We um, we met um, in um, the the basically the the city where he went to university, the city where I went to school, and um, we met in a small little bar in the downtown. Got along very well. Had very similar outlook generally with music and life and philosophy and yeah. <laughs> and everything. And uh, at some point, we started to play in a band together already in South Africa and um, he uh, at some point he just said to me look you know we need to we need to try and get out we need to try and you know go to the big leagues and uh, yeah. and London was the, the place for us basically it was the easiest place for South Africans at the time to be able to get to and um, because of the Commonwealth at the time and uh, and and so he went before me and uh, and then he got in contact and he was like, well, you've got to pack your bags, like <laughs> drop whatever you're doing and get over here. So I did. And then we started to put to get together the band um, from, from London there. Yeah. You just trusted him. You're like, I did. I mean, you know, by then we'd already, you know, gone through quite a bit. So, right. and, and, and we really did share a vision, I feel. So yeah, I, I totally trusted him. Very important. Very important. And then, yeah. you know, you guys met Jake, Jacob or. Yes, right? exactly. You yeah, guys met yeah. Jacob. How did you guys come come across Jacob? Still with well, the band? I'll tell you. It's our technique was um, myself and and Beakers would go. Um, we would go to shows 
and just look for musicians that we thought kind of like, you know, looked cool, sounded cool, the whole thing. And then, to be honest with you, we just basically talked big. <laughs> we were like, yeah. oh, we have so many songs, you know, we, we're going so fast, you know, a lot of people are interested already, like, you should really come and, you know, have an audition with us. We basically BS them into um, the, the concert, <laughs> if I'm very honest. And, uh, and Jakob was no different. He, um, he, he had gone to, to London to study and, um, and yeah, we, we, we saw actually that particular night, Birkis went by himself, mm-hmm. got back home and he told me, I found our guitarist. Like, you got to go just, see this just guy. Trust me. Exactly. Just trust me. I already spoke to him. I'm sure he's convinced. Although Jakob later admitted that he saw right through it, <laughs> but went for it anyway. So yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and okay. So the name of your band, for those of us who don't know, here in North America, it's it's after the Jonathan Livingston book, right? The um, exactly Jonathan Livingston. Jonathan Livingston seagull? seagull by Richard Back, exactly. which is kind of like it's like a spiritual classic, if you will. It's like about a seagull. For those that haven't read it, that comes into its own, I guess you, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Why was this book so important to you guys? It was, uh, you know, it was actually Birkis that came up with the idea of the name. It's a book that his father had read to him when he was young, and it just kind of stuck in his head. You know, the the, the place where, where Birkis and I come from, in the sense, there's a certain kind of anticipation, or at least it was back in those days, where you should either kind of go into farming or maybe join the military. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't like we're going to conquer the world and, you know, become rock stars. Right. It was quite, it was quite <laughs> difficult to get out of South Africa. And also once you got out, it was quite difficult to kind of stay out. Um, and, uh, and that, that sense of like, well, I can achieve anything. Yeah. That's what that book, you know, I think that the, the kind of undertone of the book was, you know, you, sure. can, you can reach the way beyond what you think. Right. And then you can come back and teach like in another level and all that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I mean, that's, very, yeah. That, yeah, I'd highly recommend any of your viewers to read the book. It's, it's, I always liken it to the little prince in the sense that it's, it's a book that, you know, I think a young child can, can grasp and, and, and enjoy, but at the same time, an adult can read it and get a lot out of it. Yeah, so. definitely. Chris, I want to get to your discography in just a second, but you know, you're in Berlin now. Uh, you have a very special relationship with Germany. Um, you know, your shows with Germany are very special. The energy, like just the crowd feeds off of each other. Sometimes they sing the songs more than you, than you guys sing the songs. Um, tell us a little bit about this relationship with the German fan base and, and the German crowd. Well, the, they are astounding. You know, the, the, I think the German public in general have such a long history of have a huge appreciation for music and particularly live music as well. I mean, if, if, if most people actually don't know about it, but so many bands make it here first. Um, and, and that even for, for uh, you know, our cousins across the Atlantic, many bands come to Germany from rock bands to sure. boy bands, pop bands, yeah. and first kind of establish things here. And in, in fact, we, we even met um, uh, Justin Bieber, mm-hmm. when he before he'd even really kind of massively blown up, we played on a TV show with him when he was just a kid, right? And it was the same thing where in Germany people were already freaking out about him, 
there was already obviously uh, a, a reaction internationally towards him, but it was like he was coming here to do big shows already. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so, so back to the fans in that sense, they are extremely loving, extremely loyal, and, uh, and, and yeah, very, very precious. I've always found that amazing about European like places like Berlin or London, like the killers, right? They're from Las Vegas, but yeah, they had yeah. to make it in, LA, in London. And yeah, then the yeah. U.S. was like, oh, well, they're ours, they're American. Huh, yeah. who knew, right? Yeah. It's just uh, you guys are definitely ahead of the curve on us uh, on that one. Well, I, so, I, just, I, I just actually, if, if I can interject for one second, yeah, yeah. sorry, but the, the thing, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's even gives it justice if I just say, oh, they're nice or they're incredible. It's, you know what it is, is they make themselves vulnerable. Mm. And this is something very interesting. I mean, we've played shows all over the world. And yeah. of course, there are lovely crowds all over the world. That's for sure. Sure, sure, sure. But it, I feel like in certain places, perhaps people are a little bit more reserved with showing their emotion or their enthusiasm for a band or their just outright passion for, for, for a show that they might be at. Yeah. And I have the feeling like, You know, if you take a city like London, for example, um, where there's so much music happening historically for such a long time, people seem like they're kind of used to it. Like, oh, well, you know, another show, another band. Um, and, and then when we started to come over to, to Germany to play here, from the first moment, they just made themselves vulnerable and accepted us and yeah. showed it. There wasn't like, oh, I've seen lots of bands. It was like, wow, we've seen lots of bands, but we like you, so we'll just unashamedly show it to you. So, wow, it's like a family. Yeah. You're describing like a like a family. Totally. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah. Wow, Chris, that's great. You know, that's what every band wants. You know. Yeah. Um, so, your first uh, album under Universal Music Germany, Sign Language. Obviously, it's your biggest album, and uh, yes. I, I would recommend people to start there if they if they're, if they're starting with you guys. Massively popular, it reached a bunch of uh, charts in Germany and around the world in Europe. Uh, you recorded the you recorded the album in LA, in Germany, and in Texas. Yeah. Now I want to ask you a little bit about that. I was just in Texas like two weeks ago because I was covering a driving concert. Yes. To see oh the, wow. Yeah, it was interesting. That's a whole nother story of the driving concert in Texas. But yeah. what? But it got me thinking. Like, man, like what? Like, how was recording in Texas? What do you remember about that recording uh, part of the process? Um, well, we recorded at a place called Sonic Ranch, and that's in El Paso. Okay. And it was uh, fantastic. I mean, it's it it was like it was the first time that we'd been that that far south in uh, in that far south in North America. Yeah, and uh, it was extremely interesting to see how the environment changed, and like, you know, also culturally, food-wise, of course, language-wise, suddenly to be around, you know, a place that felt so Latin American in a way, you know, and right. that was very nice. Extremely friendly people, and the studio itself, absolutely lovely. Um, but, but our experience there generally was just we felt extremely welcome. And, uh, and I, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, some of the boys from the drive-in are from the, down that direction, aren't they? From El Paso region, or am I mistaken? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, our experience there was, was really nice. We, we were very lucky that we got to work with also just kind of salt of the earth engineers and, and, uh, and producers. And of course, you know, everybody that we had to do with, very down to earth. 
Yeah. Now, yeah. what did you guys think the first time you saw the portions, the food portions in Texas, right? Because you're accustomed to, you know, Switzerland, Austria, everything is, you know, very well thought of. And yes. then you go, to, you go to El Paso and you ask for a burrito and it's like it feeds a family of four. It was, um, <laughs> it was quite overwhelming, I have to admit. And, uh, but it, I think we actually, especially myself and Vegas, having come from South Africa, we were also used to big-ish portions. Okay. But that was something else. I mean, <laughs> in the States generally, but then when you go down to Texas and we go to like a, you know, like a steakhouse or something like that. Wow. Something else. For sure. For Besides sure. Besides everything. <laughs> That's funny. Chris, okay. So I have to tell you. Okay. So sign language, super successful. You know, it has hits like Go uh, and a bunch of others. And some of these like Go was used for like German TV for the Vancouver Olympics in 2010. Like, correct, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a, among many things, like disease was also featured on Chalet Girl with Felicity Jones. Yes. Who ended up going to become an Academy Award nominee, like the whole thing. That album yes. blew up. How does it feel like to have, not only to start blowing up like that, but to have your song, like, be the pride of a nation with the Winter Olympics song, something like that? Wow. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, quite, it's quite overwhelming. I mean, you know, I think everybody is... Uh, always somewhat self-critical about what they do and I don't think it's very often that somebody gets the feeling like oh we did it you know that point where you're like ah okay done <laughs> we did it but now you know in retrospect looking back you know it's very satisfying to think that thing that you dream of since you're a kid and it seems so impossible and so out of reach and then to see, well, actually, pretty amazing. Like we, we managed to get there, and and we, we got the support, and uh, and our hard work paid off. And yeah, bloody hell, we did it. Oh so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just yeah, you know, yesterday and this morning in the research room, we went back to saw the video on YouTube. It's on YouTube, and uh, like the comments of the German fans say, oh, it still gives me the goosebumps. It's still this and that. So, yeah, very yeah, special yeah. moment. Cool, Chris. Yes. So your next album, Fire to Fire, um, you teamed up with Grammy Award winning uh, David Bot Botrilli. Yes. Um, you worked with him. He, he, of course, worked with Peter Gabriel and Tool, among others. Yeah, yeah. What did he bring new to you guys? What new wrinkle did he bring to um, Livingston? He, it was interesting. I mean, we, 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 with Sign Language, with the first record, we worked with a number of different producers, and, which was also amazing. Each one of them fantastic in their own right. This time... It was one person and it was a completely different experience where he came in from the pre-production stage and just, I don't know how to describe it. You know, I, I always want to kind of jokingly say like he's a creative mathematician. Ooh. You know, he's, he's able to pick apart moments in a way that is almost mathematical, but then describe things to you that is profoundly emotional and, and makes sense in a creative way. Yeah. And um, so, so in that sense, I think we, something that we took away, which he brought in was to actually learn to understand what you're actually saying with each part. Mm -hmm. That note that I think that no part is insignificant. Every part has its own place and its own meaning and it should not be ignored. You know, what is this part saying? You know, is this part taking away from the next part or is it adding to the next part? What should, what should it be doing? So in that sense, yeah, I, I, he's, he's really a wizard. 
yeah man I, I think he's, he's i'm very grateful that we got to work with him yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and I, i have to tell you you went you went you then went into deeper into um into the fire yes, um sir. which was also an interesting crossroads for the band a little bit if you will right and um So I wanted to ask you about this this time because uh, you you released a self released uh, extended play EP, um, and it seems like you kind of like were finding your bearings after all that first part success of success in your career. Yeah. Tell yeah, us yeah. a little bit about that um, that place where you were in, for the bands right there. I, I mean, I can tell you honestly, it was it was quite a kind of a harrowing place. It was quite difficult because you know. I would say the first two years, we our feet almost didn't touch the floor. Yeah, we just went from show to show, from interview to interview, from TV show backstage somewhere doing something. It we just didn't stop, and and we um, it got to a point even before um, deeper into the fire when it got to us having to start writing even fire to fire. Our management had by that stage kind of come to us and we were on a European tour and they were like, um, so you, are you working on the second album, you know, is it coming along, the label starting to ask, like, oh, there's some ideas and stuff. And we hadn't had a chance to write at all. Yeah, because you were touring it, playing it, right? <clears throat> Nonstop. So we started to actually just take equipment into the tour bus and basically in the lounge in the back, we would just set up some yeah. basic things. And under quite a lot of pressure, I, I would say, in retrospect, probably more from ourselves, we wrote the second album. Sure. And, um, and you know, I think we probably overpressured ourselves. I, I, of course, I love the second album, but it, was, it wasn't the first album. Yeah. <laughs> As so many second albums are. And, um, right. and it, it wasn't the same commercial success either. Yeah. And, um, and we were kind of trying to find our feet. And I think we were also like... We, we were quite insecure about ourselves then all of a sudden. We had clashed a bit with our label at the time and um, not a bit, actually a, a fair amount. And again, you know, I, I don't want to just unnecessary point figures at them. I think we inherently, we started to see things differently. Sure. And we, we actually uh, put our feet down and stomped our feet we were like we've got to push forward in our way yeah your direction sure in, in our direction and in some ways maybe that was a good thing in some ways maybe it wasn't who knows but then the second album came out and when deeper into the fire came out it was a little bit of step back where it was like just step away from the extreme pressure studio thing yeah and make something that's just more acoustic that goes back to our kind of playing live roots yeah you know where we can also just show what the songs sound like without all the studio side to it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that, that whole part over there, it was, it was very tricky for us. Yeah. But yeah, you know yeah. what, like you're in good company there because they say, you know, you have your whole life to write your first album and only a couple of years to do your second, right? That's the old That's right. section. <laughs> and, and you can go down the line, you can talk in Motown, you can see, you know, the Eiley brothers, you can uh, Eagles, California 70s, Linda Ross, that, They all go through this, Chris. So it's obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, you're in, by no means the first case. It's a yes, mark yes. of a great band. So we move on to Animal, which I have to tell you, Chris, it's actually like my favorite. Um, it just, um, I love the reinvention. 
I love the reinvention there. It's like, it's like you tore away what you were before, but like you've grown into something so unique, so spectacular. I was jamming to it earlier. Fantastic piece. The recording, the recording piece, Chris, uh, you wrote, you wrote it in Berlin in a little hut for like four yep. weeks, basically. With no, the no, not four weeks. We, we spent about, I would say about eight or nine months on that record. Really? From, well, I'll tell you what, what happened. Tell me, tell me. Um, so, so we, we had then split up with our label and it was a big crossroads for us. Yeah. You know, because it is that thing, you know, we, we, you, you dream your whole life of being able to get that major label deal and, and the big record. And we got all of those things. We got major label deal. We got a massive first record, lots of success, tons of touring. And then suddenly the ground fell away beneath our feet. Hmm. And it was pretty traumatic because it's, you know, your career that you've built up, you know, this is your livelihood and our family's livelihood yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we were quite, I, I guess we were quite disillusioned about the industry in general. So our management had meetings with us and they were like, what do you guys want to do? I mean, just tell us how you, how do you want to handle this and just keep a cool head and, and what do you want to do? And we said to them, we just want to enjoy what we do again. Yeah. And um, wow. they suggested to, that we maybe just rent a little place outside Berlin and just go and jam. No pressure, no album, no nothing, just go and jam. And then, so they found us a bunch of places and the least fancy basically place that was the furthest away from any people was the one that we were like, that's that one. the one. <laughs> and it, it actually, you know, it's, I, I don't know if, if uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in later on you could put a little image on your screen to show sure. the people but like it's it's a little uh hunter's cabin that looks like hansel and gretel's home okay and i'll i'll send you a, a great photo and it's on Perfect. a little it's on a small little hill inside a forest and um and so we ended up calling it the house on the hill but anyway so we we went there the first time and just talked things out and you know, had some drinks together and set up our gear and just let loose. And for about two or three days when we were there, we just just talked and played music and relaxed. And then bit by bit, actually, we just started to press record as well. Mm. And songs just started to flow out. And within, I would say, within a week, we were like, wow, amazing. Amazing. We, what, if we, what if we wrote everything here and recorded everything here and mixed everything here and we didn't involve anyone else. Amazing. What if we did everything and we don't even play it to our wives and spouses and, and uh, our management? What if nobody heard it? And when we're done and we feel like it's done, we give it. Wow. And we were like, well, nobody's gonna go for this, but anyway, we'll give it a try. So we went back to our management and we're like, this is what we're gonna do. And of course they were like, Really? <laughs> but they again, these guys, these guys are amazing, amazing guys. And they, they supported us and they said, we trust you. We will support you and you go for it. Manta Ray, shout out to you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and that's what we did. We, we would basically be in the city for a bit and then we would go out there uh, for a week, sometimes two weeks, you know, sometimes 
uh, 10 days. And we did that on a, over a period of about eight or nine months. We wrote everything and then produced everything and then recorded, uh, recorded and produced everything, sorry, and then mixed everything. And once it was all done, we invited our management and nobody ever heard a single note. And wow. then we brought our management and to give them the experience of being there, um, we brought them over and they stayed there for a few nights with us and we played them the record. And yeah, so it's it was a special our album. Baby. Yeah. I, it, you know, without is. knowing the details, I could tell there was something there. It's a, it yeah. just comes across. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. That's awesome. No, no, I'm happy. I'm happy you appreciate it. I mean, it's it's really it is for all of us. It was it was an absolutely special moment. That's great. And you guys probably were listening to the old records, like in in, in your off time that inspired yeah. you in the first place. Probably going back absolutely. to all that stuff, right? Oh, that's absolutely. Great. Yeah, we were playing playlists, uh, you know, there to get ourselves inspired and everything, and just reconnecting. So, yeah. Very That's good. awesome. That's great, Chris. So lately now, in the past like 18 months or so, you've got a really prolific uh, s string of uh, singles and great songs that you've released. Like, um, you know, Sunday Best was a little bit in last year. Then Show Me the Money. And of course, the newest one, uh, Through the People, that we, that we really touched about it in the beginning. Very different. They're all very unique. Very good. Lyrically, they're, they're very playful. Uh, I, I, really, I really, like the, really like the songwriting there. Uh, what do you think? Like, there's a lot of EPs that you're releasing and a lot of singles, which seems to be like the trend nowadays. I guess it's more rare in the industry you know, to have the 12-track album or even the yeah, double yeah. album. That's a dinosaur. Uh, are you, what, do you, what do you think of this uh, trajectory that the industry is going? You know, like rappers releasing singles and EPs all around and all that. Yeah. It's, I mean, having grown up listening to albums, I, obviously, it's one of those things, some people are like, ah, oh, you know, the, the true way is listening to vinyl, and some people are like, no, tape, or whatever. It's the same thing with having a full record. I prefer the idea that there's like a, a story that you tell that's from a particular point in time. It's one piece, and then you listen to the songs that you like, or you listen to the full album. Yeah, and that's how we've always thought. Animal was particularly like that. Where I mean, all our records are like that. But where you, you, you really see it as like almost like a concert. Yeah, that each piece going into the next piece really makes sense. And I know that's just naturally how it's happened. People don't listen like that anymore. Not a lot of people, at least. And um, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, people must enjoy music, however, in whichever way they they see fit. But I, I definitely, I still think in that way. The other guys in the band still think in that way. And even now, even though we're doing the slower process of releasing single after single, that's, that's just kind of because we're trying to also talk the current language, you know. If yeah. we had our way, it would have been like one or two singles and a record. But that, I also don't think that we should be trying to force our our way onto especially new listeners and, and uh, you know, sure. people who, who have their own way of doing it. So we'll, we'll be releasing the full record, obviously, and mm -hmm. as you know, and, uh, uh, but we'll, we'll be doing the single thing, you know, as, as long as we see that that is what is necessary for us to do, and then we'll drop the full record. That's good. Who knows? Maybe next time we'll mix it up. I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. And we yeah. can't wait to hear it, Chris. Well, you've been so good with your time. Just want to ask you a couple more questions, Chris. This sure, has been sure, very sure. enjoyable. Um, so Gideon, Gideon is your brother? Yes. yes. Okay. So he's a very <laughs> talented uh, writer, right? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. Just tell us a little bit about him, his book, Symphony of Shattered Glass. We did take a quick peek. We thought yes. it was really good. Tell us yes, about yes. Gideon. Oh, Talented wow. family. Your parents must be happy, man. Oh, no. I'm, they're, they're very proud, of course, <laughs> of course. No, he's, I mean, my brother Gideon is... He's, he's exceptionally talented. I jokingly say, like, he's the talented one in the family. He's, they're, they're all talented. My brother's all very talented. But, yeah, he's, he's exceptional in the sense that, you know, if there's somebody who kind of lives his art, it's really him. As long as I've, you know, like, known him, as long as I have conscious memory of him, he's, he's been fantastic at creating worlds, telling stories and, and, and putting things together to the, to the point of, you know, such incredible detail. And that would include, you know, even when we were young playing games, uh, you know, his, his ability to bring you into a world and tell a story and make it so fascinating and make maps, you know, and, and make uh, uh, drawings and, and, and even like, uh, you know, for, we'd play pirates when we were young, for example, and he'd make hooks and wigs and the whole thing and script, script the whole thing. And for years, he wrote stories. And uh, sorry, just to go back to what the kind of stuff that he would do, to yeah. give you an example, for my niece, you know, my, 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 I mean, for, all, for all, the, all the the family's children, he would bring them into these worlds. But I remember when, when I was still living in the UK and I'd see him often, you know, we'd go and visit my brother and, and, and my little niece, he would, he, my brother would get up in the morning and he would like hide little artifacts in the garden and create like little, you know, magic scripts and things. And, and once she was awake, then it, we would go outside and he would take her on this whole journey of like finding the treasure. And then, oh, this little script, we have to have a magnifying wow. glass to, to read. What is the fairy saying? Oh, we have to go to the other tree. You know, that kind of level of detail. What imagination, wow. Oh, incredible. And so, incredible. so he, um, he basically, for years he's been writing stories and we've also obviously encouraged like these, these beautiful stories and you should publish them you should publish them and finally he he was like yep i'm gonna do it and um, and and with his lovely publisher stacy they basically finally did it and um and and put together a symphony of, of, of uh, shattered glass and um Unbelievable. And and he illustrated the entire book as well. So anybody who wants to go and check it out and, uh, and and see the beautiful illustrations in there, it's it's all also done by him. So yeah, unbelievable, so, Chris. Yeah, wow, talented family. All right, Chris. So we we started with a current events question. Let's finish with one. Um, maybe you've seen some of the protests going on in the in the U.S. this year. Yeah, a lot of the yeah, Black yeah. Lives Matters movement. Uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of um. There's a different sort of energy going on socially. How do you see it from afar? I know in Berlin over the weekend, there was some solidarity in the Brandenburg Gate, I read. Yes, uh, but, yes, but, yes. But, but what's your, uh, what's your take from, from over there? I mean, my take, my take is that, you know, I, I actually get infuriated sometimes, to be honest, when somebody who, um, when somebody who's in a position like I am, where I can speak to a lot of people, talk from some kind of point of authority. Yeah. So, so I can tell you that I'm most certainly not a politician and most certainly am not a person who can say some extraordinary wise things that will you know, make people go, oh, fantastic. For me, it's quite simple. I, I, I fully believe in equality. And, and um, when people recognize that other people are 
and it doesn't matter who it is, are being treated unequally or unfairly, they should very rightly point it out. And if it's not listened to, then they should very rightly make a noise about it. Yeah. I, I, I never agree with things turning violent in any way, but at the same time, I, you know, it, I think history has shown us that sometimes people hurt enough that they react in ways that you don't necessarily expect or could academically justify. So my personal bottom line is people should all be treated equally and, and, that, and there's no justification for anything otherwise. Amazing. So, yeah. Wow. Well said, Chris. Well said. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Uh, I'll let you enjoy that beautifully. I tell you, next time there's an end of the world quarantine virus, we're going to Germany. (laughs) Those birds, those trees, like, oh my God, we're in the wrong place. Jesus Christ. Chris, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. All right. Take care. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.